Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. Something occurred to me as I've been reading through the story of Turin again. And this is a concept that hasn't occurred to me until very recently. This isn't something that occurred to me 15 years ago when the Children of Hurin came out and I reread the story in its, in its full length. This is something that just now is occurring to me. And I think it, it comes from a place of getting more and more into, or at least attempting to get more and more into Tolkien's mind and seeing the world the way that he may have seen the world, understanding the perspective that he has on the nature of the world around him as somebody who, and we've talked about this before, was born in the 1800s, who watched the inventions of modern industry take over the world, saw two world wars, the threat of the atom bomb, all of those things. And as with any literature or literary critique, I guess you could say, or even artistic interpretation of anything, any form of art, there are layers to that. There's the intentions of the artist, but then there are the interpretations of the consumers of the art form and the way that we coming at it through our perspectives, seeing it through our lenses can take things from the work that may not have originally been intended by the author. If that makes sense, you and I are not going to read or watch or listen to the same piece of artwork and get the same thing out of it because we come at it from different angles. So with all that said, this might just be my perspective on the way the world is affecting me and the nature of things, or maybe there's a little bit more truth or maybe it's somewhere in the middle. That's probably what's most, most likely happening here. So what is it I'm talking about? The story of Turin, as we're going to continue today, is a story about struggling with the evil of the world in a desperate time where things seem darker than they may have ever seemed before. Let that sink in for a moment because we have to go back in our minds, right? Like this is currently, I'm recording this, the year is 2022. It's December. It is the end of the year. We have seen wars. We have seen threat of wars, threat of nuclear violence. We have seen pandemics. We have seen terrible things. We've seen the internet change the way that information is conveyed and misinformation is spread. There is a lot to be concerned about in our world. That is nothing new, though. There has been a lot to be concerned about in the world forever. But for each generation... There are new concerns. Tolkien's generation was the first to struggle with industrialization and the invention of modern warfare. 
the terrors that he saw on the front line in World War I were never witnessed by any generation previous to that. The sheer amount of destruction and the capability of violence and evil at a distance was not something that mankind had created or done ever before. And I think that changes a person. The story of Turin is a story of struggling with a time where the world is darker than it's ever seen before. And that's exactly what we're seeing in this story. Morgoth has taken over vast swaths of lands. Orcs are roaming the wilds. The last stand of elves working together with their friends, with men and dwarves, failed. They were destroyed and pushed back to the very boundaries, the furthest boundaries that they could possibly recede to. And Turin is born into this world where things seem darker than they ever have before. I know this is a longer intro than usual, but I I want you to at least have that kind of understanding when you're reading this work, because this is a dark work. And there are decisions that Turin makes, like I mentioned in the previous episode, that don't sound like typical heroic decisions. He is not Aragorn. He is a different kind of hero. He's a hero who has to deal with the darkness of the world and the way that affects him on a spiritual level. Not just physically and emotionally, but really deep down in in his in who he is. And we're going to see a little bit of that today. Today's episode is uh, it's actually going to have a lot of geography in it, which is interesting because a, a lot of this stuff is important to the story. And we're going to see the return of a friend who attempts to bring Turin back to the people that were there for him. And yet, Turin's going to push back and make some decisions that we may not have expected. I think I'm going to call this episode, this little episode, Turin the Outlaw. I think that or at least the beginning of where he's going with things. If you recall from the previous episode, Turin was wronged, acted brashly, and then it led to the death of an elf. And so he was, well, he banished himself. He wasn't really banished. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode. So... When this occurred, Mablung, another elf, was actually among them and witnessed it. He saw what Turin did and went to the king, went to King Thingol and said, hey, I saw the whole thing. Turin was kind of being a jerk to this guy, but the guy was being a jerk to him. He didn't intend for him to die, basically. He, he, this was not his goal. But now he's left. And Mablem goes to him and says, hey, listen, I saw everything. It's not your fault. You don't need to leave. But Turin takes it upon himself and says, no, this is a thing that I did. This is an evil. 
I don't deserve to be here anymore, basically. And that's a paraphrase. It doesn't actually show us those words in this text, but he banishes himself. And so he goes out into the forests of Brethel looking for anybody he can join. And he finds a band of men, houseless and desperate, like many individuals who were, as it says in the text, in those evil days, lurking in the wild. And he joins them. We're also told that their hands were turned against all who came in their path, elves and men and orcs. This is part of the theme that I was talking about in the beginning of this episode. I'm going to call this Desperity Makes Us the Enemy of Everyone and Suspicious of All. Because that's what happens. It isolates you. Turin and these men didn't trust anyone. The world was too dark. They could only trust themselves. This is a natural instinct in human beings, by the way. This is called tribalism. You see this in our own world, where politicians, powerful people, play up the tribalism in order to manipulate individuals to do the things that they want. In this circumstance, it was self-inflicted. These men knew how dangerous the world was, and this was a requirement for their own safety, basically. So the story goes back to King Thingle and he's told about everything that happens. Mayblunt goes to him and the king immediately pardons Turin, makes a proclamation. Basically, Turin was wronged. It really wasn't his fault that he accidentally killed a guy and basically wants him back. This is a very different Thingle than we've seen previously. This king is evolving. (laughs) We have a character arc here. He's learning and he's more compassionate to especially the men in his service. And there are few, but, but Turin is like a child to him at this point and he's willing to bring him back. And so there's a conversation here where Thingol and Beleg talk. We're told that Beleg Strongbow returns from the North Marches. Remember Beleg and Turin were out on the outskirts for three years fighting against orcs. And there's a conversation here between Thingol and Belig. And Thingol says, right in, in this in this passage, I grieve, Kuthalion, which means strongbow, by the way, for I took Hurin's son as my son, and so he shall remain, unless Hurin himself should return out of the shadows to claim his own. I would not have any say that Turin was driven forth unjustly into the wilds, and gladly would I welcome him back, for I loved him well. And Belig answers, I will seek Turin until I find him, and I will bring him back to Menegroth, if I can, for I love him also. And there's something in this passage I note is... Um, it's not just tonally different, but it's uh, actual the wording here is different from the way we speak in our own world. And I think it was probably different from the way that Tolkien spoke in his world. If we go back to his time, this openly using of the word love for brotherly love for friendship among men 
is something that we are very hesitant to do. How many of us have told, uh, those of us who are males, have told anyone around us that are, are on a friend level outside of immediate family that we love them? I think it's very rare. It's not a word that you hear very much. And I don't think it was very common in uh, 20th century England either. This is an old way of speaking. And that's intentional. We're much more likely in our modern, postmodern world to hear women tell their friends, I love you, love you, girl. You know, that kind of thing, right? But it's, it's rare that you go tell your male best friend, love you, man. It happens, but just not very much. In this situation, we find out that Thingle loves him as a son, but Bellig loves him like a brother, a brotherly love. And so Bellig leaves Menegroth and he seeks out across, we're told, across Beleriand in vain tidings of Turin through many perils. And in this passage right here, we're not told what those perils are, but it takes him a while. And that's important because Turin during this entire time is living with the outlaws long enough that he becomes their captain. He becomes the leader of this group. Now think about real world scenarios. When you take up with a new group of people, how long does it take before they trust you? And then make you the leader. That doesn't happen very often. I guess this most similar concept for this in our in our modern world, postmodern world, I keep saying both of this, both of those are kind of true, um, is the, the concept of working for a company. How long does it take you to rise to a level of leadership in a company? He also renames himself at this time. Nathan, the wronged. That's what that means. And we're told exactly where this group is living. It says in the text, Very warily they dwelt in the wooded lands south of Tiglin. Now, Tiglin is one of the tributaries of the river Syrian. If you remember, the river Syrian runs through, up through the forest of Doriath. Remember this? And one of the tributaries breaks off to the west and heads Well, I guess it it runs south to the river, but if you're coming north, it would run up north between the, that little forest on the side of Doriath. That's not really in Doriath. Remember that that's Brethel. And then it continues up to the mountains north of Brethel towards Hithlam back toward Dorloman, the area that Turin was originally from. And then we're revealed the time frame here. It had been a year. A year had passed since Turin fled from Doriath. And that's when Beleg comes upon their lair. It's even called a lair, which is usually a phrase you would use for bad guys, right? He comes by their lair at night. So this tells us a few things. We were talking about how long it had been that he'd been with these people, that he would become their leader. All of that only happens in a year. That says something about Turin's abilities and the fact that these men trust him and the fact that he was strong in a fight. That's usually how these groups work. The strongest are the ones who become the leaders. 
So it says a lot without it actually saying it. Now, in this situation right here, we come across the second accidental evil, I guess you could say, of Turin's story. The first one being the elf that unfortunately was killed, falling down into a river and hitting a rock. This time, it happens to Belig. Because remember, this group was wary of anyone, man or orc or elf, who would come by their camp. Now, at this moment, Turin happened to be away from camp. And it says in the text, the outlaws seized Belig and bound him and treated him cruelly, for they feared him as a spy of the king of Doriath. But Turin returned and seeing what was done was stricken with remorse for all their evil and lawless deeds. And he released Belig and they renewed their friendship and Turin forswore thenceforth war or plunder against all save the servants of Angband. It took this moment and this uh, potential terrible thing that almost happened to Belig for Turin to realize that, okay, we're we're going about this all wrong. We're hurting some of the good guys. We will only from this moment on fight the servants of Angband, the orcs, the evil men, and anything else that comes across our path. And so Turin and Beleg talk. And we're going to get into those details after the mid-break. So don't go anywhere. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All 
All right, we're in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons and welcome our newest patrons to the Patreon, to the group here. Welcome to Kenny C and Mr. Christine and David M, Alan S, Michael S, and Ben G. Welcome to the Patreon. I hope you guys are enjoying your ad-free episodes, your bonus episodes for those of you who are tier two or higher. And we have to shout out our VIP patrons as well. We are currently at 152 patrons. Holy moly. Thank you to every single one of you. You guys make this show possible and I really do appreciate it. And a big shout out to our VIP patrons, Anna B, Bo, Brandy D, Chris P, David M, Esoteric Rage, Jesse P, Larry, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Sam B, Shannon Lee, and Sheev Palpatine. Thank you so much to all of you guys. You are amazing. If you're interested in joining this group and getting ad-free episodes and getting a bonus episode every week and helping me out, then go to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. Check out all the different tiers. There's a link in the show notes or underneath it where the description is and all that stuff, you know. So uh, go check that out. Also, we have some new reviews that came in that I have to read out. First, we've got one from Mexico, a friend down south of the border. We have Sir... Um, which is the entire top row of the keyboard, uh, <laughs> who writes magic to listen to five stars. Great podcast started listening a couple weeks back when it came up on suggested and instantly got captured, started binging the episodes and can't believe I'm already caught up. I've read the Hobbit and got partway through the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but ultimately failed. The way you explain the lore is easy to listen to and your interpretation shows deep knowledge of the source. Definitely got me hyped to finish reading the books and maybe try the Silmarillion. Awesome. Yeah, go for it. And thank you, Sir Cordy and other letters. I appreciate it. Uh, Then we've got another one from Average Hobbit Feet, which is a wonderful name, from New Zealand, where they they filmed it. And uh, I have a feeling that Average Hobbit Feet is a Redditor because this review says Grand, five stars, Grand, 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 Grand. Five out of five thumbs up. (laughs) So thank you very much, (laughs) average Hobbit feet. And then we have one more from Mason Alphonse in the United States who writes, amazing. Now that I am all caught up, this has become my Monday morning commute podcast. And I have to say best way to start the week. Thank you, Mason. And thank you to everybody who takes the time to rate the show either on Apple or on Spotify or review it or share it with your friends. All of that stuff is extremely helpful. You guys make this show possible. I couldn't do it without your help. Genuinely, I I couldn't because this is a career for me. And the fact that you share it with other people, the fact that you support it in any way you possibly can is huge. So thank you to all of you. All right, let's move on with the rest of the episode. So we end up with a situation where eh, things go kind of rough, but fortunately, Turin shows up in time before they do anything too bad to Belig, and Belig forgives them and basically says, hey, we've got to talk. I'm bringing you the king's pardon. The king knows what happened, and Thingol says, come home. You're not going to be tried for this. You're safe. He just wants you back. And then he also says... 
basically i need you too like it says he says here there's great need of his strength and valor in the north marches of the realm like they, they want him back because they need his help and specifically quote of late the orcs have found a way down out of tarnufuin he said they have made a road through the pass of anak now this is the area directly north of Doriath. There's a mountain chain and hills. There's a there's a pass right through that mountain chain that goes right up into Tarnufuin, and that's where a lot of Morgoth's forces are holed up. So they're basically bleeding down through these mountains to the borders of the forest. And this is dangerous. They've created a road there. And Turin doesn't go back with Belig. They're they're bros, right? <laughs> but he decides to stay. First of all, he explains that the men of Brethel, the little forest on the side of Doriath, are troubled. They have their own dangers as well. But we're also told in the passage, quote, but in the pride of his heart, Turin refused the pardon of the king. He he refuses the the pardon itself, not just the asking to come back. And the words of Belig were of no avail to change his mood. And he, for his part, urged Belig to remain with him in the lands west of Syrian. But that Belig would not do. And he said, hard you are, Turin, and stubborn. Now the turn is mine. If you wish indeed to have the strongbow beside you. Notice he calls himself the strongbow. That's pretty freaking cool. Um, Also, you can't get away with that in the modern world. Look for me in Dimbar, the land between the two forests. This is like, that's not actually in the quote. It doesn't say the land. I added that part. It sounded like it was part of the quote the way I said it. Just want to be clear. Find me in Dinbar, my portion where I say, that's the land between the two forests. For thither I shall return. That's in the text because I don't use the word thither. Well, though I could, that would be a thing I could do. Anyway, uh, Bellig basically turns him down and is like, listen, if you really, if you really my bro, you're going to come find me. This is where I will be. And on the next day, Belig sets out. And Turin goes with him. Just And we're told, about a bow shot from the camp. Not too far. Far enough that they can talk by themselves. But he doesn't say anything. And Belig responds, It is farewell then, son of Hurin. Like, question, is it farewell now? Well, this is it? This is how we're going to part? And then Turin looks out westward and he sees a hill. It's west and south of the forest of Brethel. It's called Ammon Rudd. And he just uses it in this conversation. It's almost like he just said a thing that he hadn't really considered, probably because he was emotional. And he looks out and he sees this great height of Ammon Rudd, it says in the text. And it goes on and says, And unwitting of what lay before him, he answered, you have said, seek me in Dimbar, but I say, seek me on Ammon Rudd. Else, this is our last farewell. And that was it. Belig and Turin part. Both wanting the other to budge. Both wanting the other to come join them in their fight. Now, Belig returns to the caves and goes before Thingol and Melian and tells them about what has happened. He doesn't mention, though, the evil handling, as it says in the text, by Turin's companions. He leaves that out. 
because he doesn't want to worry them, I guess. And then Thingle sighs, and he says, what more would Turin have me do? He's, as a king and a father figure, done a lot. Forgiving him? Welcoming him back? And Belig responds here, Give me leave, Lord, said Belig, and I will guard him and guide him as I may. Then no man shall say that elven words are lightly spoken, nor would I wish to see so great a good run to nothing in the wild. Basically, I will keep your words true by going out and I will be the one to budge. I will go find him and I will guide him. I will seek him out. Try to keep him safe. But also, I see a lot of good in him, and I would hate for that good to go to nothing. To just be fighting enemies in the wild with no real purpose. And so, Thingle gives him approval here. He basically says, go and do what you want. The actual text says, Belig Kuthalian, which means strongbow, For many deeds you have earned my thanks, but not the least is the finding of my foster son. At this parting, ask for any gift, and I will not deny it to you. Basically tells him, like, all right, you go do it. I trust you. And in order for you to do that, because I I owe you so much, pick something. I will give it to you. And Bellic says, I ask then for a sword of worth. For the orcs come now too thick and close for a bow only, and such blade as I have is no match for their armor. Basically, give me a really good sword, something powerful, something I can use against the orcs. Thingle responds, choose from all that I have, save only Ruth, which means king's ire, my own sword. Which, I mean, just said, like, pick anything and I'll give it to you. But now he's saying, okay, well, you can have any sword but mine. You can't have my sword. (laughs) The king needs his own sword. So Belig chooses a blade called Anglichel. Anglichel? Anglichel. Words are hard. Pronunciations are tough for me. It's spelled A-N-G-L-A-C-H-E-L. Which we're told, and this is interesting, is a sword of great worth and was named because it was made from iron that fell from heaven as a blazing star. This is a sword made out of meteor iron or whatever was in the meteor. It would cleave all earth delved iron. One other sword in Middle Earth was like it, and we're told in the text, this sword does not enter into this tale, though it may it was made of the same ore by the same smith, and that smith was Ale the dark elf who took Aridel, Turgon's sister, to wife. Remember this? Remember this story? He gave Anglicel to Thingle as a fee, which he begrudged for leave to dwell in Nan Elmoth. Remember, he lived out on the outskirts? But its mate, Angarel, he kept until it was stolen from him by Maeglin, his son. Remember all of these events? Now, Thingle knows where the sword came from, and he knows the heart of Ale, the Dark Elf. And he wasn't a Dark Elf because he was dark of spirit, although that is true. He's a Dark Elf because he did not dwell in the light of the trees. But Thingle turns the hilt towards Belig, and then we, we also find out here that Melian looks at the blade as well. And she says, there is malice in this sword. 
The dark heart of the smith still dwells in it. It will not love the hand it serves. Neither will it abide with you long. Another one of those moments of foreshadowing where a character knows more than somehow they're capable of knowing, right? But Bellig responds, nonetheless, I will wield it while I may. Even if I don't get to keep it forever, even if there's some danger in it, it will still do me good. And then Melian responds again and says, another gift I will give to you, Kuthalian. This shall be your help in the wild and the help also of those whom you choose. And this is the first moment in any of the stories, in the timeline of any of the events, that somebody is gifted Lembus bread. This should bring you reminders of Galadriel giving the fellowship Lembus bread. This is an echo, or at least that is an echo of this. The queen of the land giving Lembus bread to it, an adventurer about to go out on a journey. And although Turin wasn't there, the Lembus bread is meant for him as well. It's the first time in a story that Lembus bread is given not only to, uh, we see it given at all, but it very specifically alludes to this fact that Lembus bread is given among the elves all the time. This is not something new for the elves, but what is new here is that this is also meant for a man to consume. And Belig is to be the deliverer of the bread and to use it for himself. We're given a very interesting description here as well. As she gave him stores of Limbus, the waybread of the elves wrapped in leaves of silver, kind of like the leaves of Lothlorien, and the threads that bound it were sealed at the knots with the seal of the queen, a wafer of wax, of white wax, shaped as a single flower of Talpirian. For according to the customs of the Eldalai, the keeping and giving of Lembus belong to the queen alone. That's why Galadriel is the one who does it. Now remember, during this time, Galadriel would have dwelt in Doriath. She would have been here, potentially. And nothing did Melian grow greater favor to Turin than in this gift. For the Elder had never before allowed men to use this waybread, and seldom did so again. And then we are told that Belig departs with these gifts and he goes back to the northern marches where he has his lodges and his friends. Now, this is the first place he goes before heading out to seek Turin. And he tries out the sword and we're told, then in Dimbar, the orcs were driven back and Anglicel rejoiced to be unsheathed. But when the winter came, the war was stilled. And suddenly his companions missed Belig, and he returned to them no more. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.